G'day and welcome to Mainstream, the review podcast by Sifter. Now, if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome, because on Mainstream, uh, the award-winning team at Sifter discuss their experiences with playing games. And if you've listened to the show, you might be thinking, hang on a second, some of this sounds familiar, Mainstream sounds the same, uh, but some's a little, some of it's a little bit different. That's right, because we have changed our name. Uh, we used to be called Pixel Sift, so you would have heard Mainstream by Pixel Sift, uh, but now we're Sifter. Uh, and... What hasn't changed is great discussions about some of those high-profile games, those experiences we've been enjoying. Little games, big games, all of them in between. And uh, something else that's a mainstay of Mainstream is Adam Christou. Hello, Adam. Welcome to another episode of Mainstream. Hey, hey. How's it going? Really, really good. We've been playing um, a little bit of a game that everyone has been talking about, The one of the last great exclusives for the PlayStation 5. Uh, because the company that makes it now is owned by Microsoft, so it's pretty unlikely that something like this will ever come out again. Uh, we are talking about, of course, Deathloop by Arcane. Yeah, Deathloop. It seems to be a bit of a game of the moment. All right, well, let's jump in. This is Mainstream. So, Adam, what is Deathloop? Um... I suppose it's a game of many different parts. It's part stealth um, slash FPS immersive simulator game. So think of things like Deus Ex um, and previous arcane games like the Dishonored series where you are given an expansive toolkit of abilities. You're encouraged to play quite stealthy and lean on skills and creative ways to kind of move through levels and puzzle solve encounters. It's also part mystery and problem-solving adventure, and this is where I think the game actually has a lot in common with The Outer Wilds from a couple years ago. Um, This is a game that really feels like you're digging up leads, you're trying to find knowledge, you're working out secrets. Um, The world of Deathloop is a puzzle box in of itself, and you're trying to work out how all the pieces of the world come together so that you can manipulate it to further the storyline and achieve your goals in the game. And then there's also a bit of a roguelike thing going on with this game as well. So you're in a death loop, you're in a time loop, your character will die and then restart the day if you do die. Um, and you lose equipment and gear up until a certain point where you unlock a mechanic that will let you save some things to kind of come with you on later runs. But it has that feeling of just going in for another run that a lot of roguelikes have as well. And, and and it's an intriguing meshing of all those ideas together in one big soupy mess that, that kind of just works. I'm really surprised that something this ambitious actually has come together. Um, one of the things I was really curious about with the implementation of this game is what, you know, a big fan of a game that you and I both really love is Hades, that you really felt like you were making meaningful progress every single time uh, you worked your way through one of these different loops, one of these different runs. It, it, does it achieve that in this, or do you come out of the loops sometimes thinking, oh man, I made a few mistakes there, I really should try this again another time? Yes. <laughs> I, I think it does, and it does it in a bunch of different ways. So, Um, And it kind of hits on all of the different sort of elements of what Deathloop is. So in a narrative sense, every time you start a loop, there's a little bit more story doled out to you. You get to understand a little bit more between the main character that you play Colt uh, for the majority of the game and the main antagonist, Juliana, who is essentially hunting you through the time loop, trying to stop your goal of breaking the, the cycle. Um, and they have some really great back and forth, which kind of kicks off most interactions when you jump into a level. Um, 
There's also that kind of, because you're doing mystery and problem solving a little bit like the Outer Wilds, you might go into a loop with like one bit of knowledge, like this particular building is going to be open at this time of the day if I do something earlier in the day. And by getting into that building, more mysteries will be solved, more questions will arise that I'll need to answer. And that can be a really strong carrot on the stick in both a narrative sense, but a problem solving sense between loops that make you feel like you've achieved something. Um, and if you just have a bad run and die, at least you've kind of like got into grips a little bit more with the world around you. Maybe you found a cool pathway into a building you didn't see before. Maybe you got killed by turrets and now know where they are for the next time that you go in. Um, so I feel like you always take something away with you, whether or not that's a bit of knowledge about the design of the levels themselves and your own knowledge of how to take advantage of that level design or whether or not it's actually finding narrative beats and, and puzzle solving along the way. Or you might be collecting resources and gear that you can eventually use to take through future loops with you. And that alone by itself can be really beneficial too, to kind of have new equipment and toys to play with in future runs. So um, it kind of answers um, that question with a yes across all of the different sorts of ways that Deathloop hits as a game, which I really appreciate as well. Um, the style in this game, we would be remiss if we didn't bring it up because it looks beautiful, but it also does have that same really similar sort of visual language to other arcane games you might have played before, like Prey um, and, you know, Dishonored or Dishonored 2. Honestly, actually, when I first booted up the game, I was like, I'm pretty sure I've been on this beach in Dishonored before. It really looks a lot the same, but there's a, there's a lot that they're doing to, to build out this world, aren't, isn't there? Yeah. Oh, the style is like half of the reason why I think this game hits so well that it does. It's so it's got this kind of camp seventies kind of action film sort of energy about it. Um, this super ludicrous constant spy music plays throughout the game, especially when you're sneaking and when combat kicks in that just has such an energy and sense of humor about it. That makes it feel like you're trapped in a certain time, a certain sort of schlocky kind of camp, uh, kitschy energy um, of like real like cheesy B-grade films of the 70s runs through this. That runs through character design, the way dialogue is written, the way people interact in this world, um, the artistic design of furniture. Um, there are so many cool 70s kind of like furniture and design and decor that you just kind of see when you're kind of lumbering through locations in this game. I started taking screenshots of things and being like, I would live in that house. <laughs> points which is really funny um but yeah it, it kind of uses a similar visual style to what you would expect from things like dishonored but kind of grounds it in that kind of language and um i guess theatrics of its source material and and it does it so strongly as well it doesn't feel like a bit of a lame pastiche of all those things it feels like it belongs in the canon of weird kind of camp 70s B-films that you might have stumbled across. And I really like that about this. It feels feels authentic and it feels like they rose to a challenge with what they wanted to achieve, even on like UI design with this sort of stuff and like made it work, which is re really impressive. Um, the acting and the characterization in this game really seems to be something else. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how the characters are portrayed, some of the acting styles um, that we were able to mm. experience when you're playing this game? Look, I think the best example of this game's acting and character styles are when you boot it up for the very first time. So 
minor spoilers i'm going to explain maybe the first 30 or 40 minutes of of what happens in death loop which is kind of a really creative tutorial but it's more like a tutorial full of really great narrative beats and this game literally opens with you playing the main character cult who is a very quippy funny sort of guy um not sure what's going on and where he's at and he's being stabbed in the chest by a mysterious woman and has no idea why he then dies and wakes up on a beach with no memories whatsoever and has to start piecing together what's going on and you really quickly get a feel for Colt's sense of humor you get a feel for who the mysterious woman was who turns out to be a lady called juliana who is also in the time loop and has made it her goal to stop you from breaking the loop and is trying to kill you every single time the day resets. Um, they have this sort of back and forth sort of kind of chemistry and just kind of antagonistic energy about them where almost every single mission starts with those two quipping at each other, which is really enjoyable. And then I think in like the hallmark of like arcane games, there is just so much incidental dialogue. You and me, baby, together forever. At least until I break this loop. Well, what should I call you? Mr. Gun feels a bit, uh, formal. Gun-ter. Gonna slav. Maybe the machine. Eh. Fluffy. And Fluffball. The Fluff Destroyer. Blastmaster. That seems kind of like a laxative. Mini Colt! Nah, Colt Jr.? Now that has a ring to it. <laughs> it's too self-involved. Um, your goal in Deathloop is to take out a bunch of villains that are called the Visionaries, um, that are dotted throughout the island and in various locations, and all of them have fantastic personalities that feel really well put together. Um, my favourite so far is Charlie Montague, um, who feels a little bit like... Uh, I guess the sort of character that you would expect video game developers to put into their game. So Charlie Montague is the villain, the visionary that is obsessed with game design. So his hideout is a building that he has converted into a live action role-playing adventure scenario that you have to kind of creep through filled with cardboard cutouts and other people trying to shoot each other in it and like speaker systems going off telling people that, like that they've like rolled saving throws it's it's hilarious um charlie also has a bunch of weird scavenger hunts and things just happening environments at different times of the day it's like if there's something that seems to be really gamey in the world of death loop charlie is behind it and there'll be some sort of recorded message from him or a note nearby with his sense of humor just kind of all over it as well so i feel like you start getting a real idea of just who these visions are how larger than life they are because they are super camp they are not realistic people at all they are just like larger than life 70s like action hero villains um it's 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 really fun like that's i think that's one of the things that i've enjoyed the most is like you will kind of have an idea for who one of the villains is really early but then as you start digging into the areas that they inhabit on the island and start piecing together the story behind them so that you can take them out you really get to know them in a way that just kind of hits for me um is there anything in this game that doesn't work or anything that you feel just didn't sit right with you until uh you know you you had a bit of time with it well it it's funny you said that because like this is normally not my game 
at all. Like I have bounced off every single arcane game that has come out in the last few years. I tried Dishonored and couldn't get into it. I tried Dishonored 2 and it didn't quite work for me. Um, Prey is one of those games where because of the experiences I had previous, I just didn't try it. Um, and I think I've always struggled with immersive sims and kind of stealth-based first-person games in particular. I've never found stealth mechanics to be fun in the first person. Um, and I think a big part of that is I tend to have issues with perfectionism. And when I play stealth games, I want to do everything perfectly and I want to have that perfect stealth run and for it to all go flawlessly and for nothing to go wrong. And I think the way that those games work best is when you're thrown into sort of a semi-sandbox and encouraged to experiment and play around and try new things um, and to really break apart the mechanics of the game to just like figure out what you want to do. And Deathloop encourages that because there's no quick save or quick load option in the middle of a loop or in the middle of a mission. You have to kind of finish the area you're in and get out um, before the game will save. And that alone forces you to just go with the flow. So if something goes monumentally wrong and your stealth attempt falls apart, you don't have to just reload a save and try again five times, memorizing um, you know, pathways and pathing um, for NPCs that are moving around a space, which can be really boring and slow. Um, instead, you just have to kind of improvise and make do. If you get seen, that's it. It's on and you've got to make it work. And I really appreciated that because it made me feel like the pressure was off in a stealth game. It made me feel like stealth wasn't as fully required as it was needed. Um, and it really kind of helped um, make this sort of gameplay easier for me to approach and to get into the mindset of. Otherwise, I find I'm not a very creative person um, in these sorts of games, and I don't really want to do the whole, like, it's a sandbox, play around and see what I can come up with. So I'm surprised that the thing I thought I really wouldn't like in this game, which would be the gameplay itself um is something that works for me um for a change and i'm curious because i think i wonder if people that go into traditional immersive sims or or really like like stealth-based single-player games will be frustrated by the lack of quick save and some of these mechanics that are kind of in death loop i wonder if they're having the opposite reaction to me and feeling annoyed that like um there's a bit of randomness in in this game that that can be a bit frustrating potentially it, um, does it encourage you to think maybe I should go back and have a look at some of these titles um, and, and put a different hat on and maybe try them in a different way? Yeah, absolutely. Like there's a part of me now that's kind of like, wow, I'm, I'm really enjoying Deathloop. Maybe I should actually go back to Dishonored, which everyone raves about and, and actually just have a go and be like, you know what? I'm not really going to kind of save and reload every time I get caught by a guard. I'm just going to try and make it work. And, I'll actually get through the game and have fun as opposed to constantly reload the same few levels over and over wanting to perfect them. And I think that alone might make me enjoy those games a bit more. Who knows? I might still bounce off them and be like, yeah, not for me. Um, but I'm surprised at yeah how Deathloop has sunk its claws into me um, and given me already fun stories to think about. Like I think these sorts of games, they're, they're kind of built around that idea of having a fun story you can share. And one that was really great for me was really early on, I died a lot to turrets. They were like not my friend at all. Um, they kill you really quickly in this game. Um, but then I learned that I could use my hacking tool to 
to keep hacking something while breaking line of sight. So I could duck into line of sight of a turret, start that hack, and then quickly duck behind a corner. And then I would be able to complete the hack. And that just kind of started opening up turrets as like my new best friend. Then I discovered that you can also like disengage turrets and then they turn into a briefcase, sort of like perfect dark. And you can pick up the briefcase turret and then just drop it and set it up wherever you want. And then suddenly turrets were like my super best friend because I was always carrying one with me and trying to figure out the best place to drop it down in case stealth went wrong so I could run back to my turret and hide. Um, And I had this wonderful moment where I was like sneaking along a cliffside with a turret in my hand in briefcase form and just didn't see a guard and they spooked the shit out of me and I accidentally just hit the throw button and I just piffed the turret briefcase at this poor guard who got smacked in the face with it and fell off the cliff. And it's those sorts of moments that I think make this game really fun. (laughs) It's those moments where you're just like, uh, okay, I didn't really think about the fact that I could throw the turret in someone's face and that would work, but here we are. And that kind of also reminded me that this game has a really good kick button and I keep forgetting I was going to say, it. like, and honestly, I feel like doing a stealth kick only run because like, I was is really so much fun. fun. Hey. And it's like, once you get like the ability to like, um, the shift ability, which lets you teleport short, different, short dis- distances. And you can like be seen by someone, then shift behind them, freak them out. So they don't know that you've moved and then just kick them in the butt. That's really fun. And you can just do that over and over. Yeah, glitchless kick kick only runs. I can imagine the speedrunners are already yeah. doing it. How, right how now. are you playing Deathloop? Out of curiosity, I am playing like it on a PlayStation Five um, that I have got temporary access to, so I've only done a few little bits and pieces of it. Um, so you know, enjoying that experience of of trying little bits and pieces. But for me, it is almost like because there's enough of a gap between the time I'm learning a little bit around. Um, you know, the game as we play. To be honest, the thing that really has really caught me mostly in trouble, but you know, with enough sandboxiness that I'm able to survive through it is um, the control scheme. I find it to be quite often I've accidentally, you know, fired my gun because it switched to the wrong hand or um, thrown something at someone and then all, 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 all of a sudden been, you know, <laughs> caught, caught to a bad spot and just have, all right, have to, have to boot everyone to death. That's what we're going to do here. So, um, you know, I don't know if that was the experience that you had, but the, the I, tools are failing, failing you, Gianni. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I can't wait to play more of it um, when I get a chance uh, and, you know, mm. looking at the experiences of it and the way that they've sort of overlay text into the real world as sort of a narrative guide, um, sort of a path through that. I think that interaction is really, really cool. Um, yeah, it just seems like something that's, you know, an interesting experience. And what I think is really, cool about it is it's going to have this real moment um, for PlayStation 5 players where it's uh, it's got a timed exclusive so it will be available later um, no doubt on the Xbox Game Pass and on Xbox Series X and um, it's already available on PC if you want to play it there but yeah it's it's an interesting time to think of you know this moment where the last PlayStation exclusive game that was made um, by a Bethesda ZeniMax studio um, in arcade yeah and it's, and it's a good one too it mm. seems to be like maybe the arcane game that will break through for a lot of people because i think you know arcane's been critically acclaimed its games have been beloved by a lot of people especially people who love immersive sims but they've all kind of failed to really capture big big audiences and i think that there's something really fun about this and just about i guess like the gunplay is really fun too and then there is a multiplayer aspect here too that i think will draw in a lot of people which is that The other element to this game is after you've played Colt for a while, you get the opportunity to start and play as Juliana 
and take on the role of the assassin that's there to protect the loop and kill Colt and invade other people's games, like it's in Dark Souls, for example, and try to take out other enemy players as an assassin in their in their mission. And that's a kind of cool wrinkle that I think a lot of people that might normally not get into a game like this could have a lot of fun with. Um, there's already like, you know, Reddit filled with people doing assassination attempts and having a lot of fun knocking out their friends or whatever. Um, and I think that that gives it kind of a bit of a social staying power as well, which I think is really kind of cool. And yeah, I think, I guess the only other thing I can really think about is so many people were comparing this game to the Hitman series, um, in previews and on the lead up to it. And I just don't feel like that is a kind of apt comparison. And I think like a big part of that is like, for me, I guess my experience with the Hitman games was you kind of just repeat playing a level to kind of do creative assassinations and maybe puzzle solve an odd way to kill someone for achievements. Um, whereas Deathloop really feels instead more like that sort of out of wilds. You're trying to unravel a big puzzle across multiple environments. And at the same time, there's a lot of really fun stealth and immersive sim gameplay in there. And uh, I feel like the, you're encouraged to replay levels because it's part of the narrative and it's part of the puzzle solving of how you actually like explore those levels. Not so much because it's like, you know, you, you could kill someone in a different creative way. I feel like it, it, it gives you more of a, yeah, it feels less score based and more like there's a narrative impetus to go there and there's a puzzle solving kind of questioning reason as to why you want to do that sort of stuff. And that to me is so much more interesting than chasing a high score and that was a big breath of fresh air for me because I bounced off the Hitman series really hard. I found I would do like one main assassination and be like, I don't want to go back to this level. I don't care about my main score. Um, what am I really getting out of this? I'm not hooked into the story of this game either. So I don't really care if I kill someone with a chandelier or if I shoot them in their room. Like, so I, I, man, that's a bleak sentence. But yeah, I just feel <laughs> like there's games, so baby. much... <laughs> Yeah, it sure is. Um, and I'm curious, you 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 haven't played it as much as I have, but did you feel like that carrot on the stick existed for you to want to dive back in really quickly and, yeah, and experience more of the story? Absolutely, because it really, to me, felt a lot like, yeah, it was capturing that same feeling of Hades. And I've, we've talked about this before in previous episodes where, you know, for a lot of those rogue-lite or rogue-like run-based games, um, the incentive to continue a run or to keep going and going through bits and pieces for a lot of games never quite clicked with me until I played that game, um, Hades that is, and um, I got that same feeling from this as well in that I felt that I would be sort of starting to meaningfully build up an understanding of a world and, and you know, thinking of good strategies and I'm a bit like you, you know, if I find a good strategy that I know that works, I, I kind of stick to it the whole way through um, and, you know, that that's something I'm really curious to, to see how that develops as you, as you play through. Um, you know, and getting to, you know, potentially break that loop. You're listening to Mainstream by Sifter. Visit us on sifter.com.au. This has been Mainstream by Sifter. It's what video games the Sifter team have been playing. My name is Gianni, and thanks for being another key part of an episode of Mainstream. This is episode 28. Adam, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me on to ramble, like, just off-cuff for a long period of time about Deathloop. It was a lot of fun. Um, thanks to Brian Fairbanks from Salty Dog Sounds for composing the mainstream theme music. Um, Adam, where can people find you online if they want to see some of the other cool stuff that you're working on? 
They can go to sifter.com.au because I am off all my socials at the moment. I deleted them. Um, I am just out. You know, I'm like day 48 of a lockdown. I am not on Twitter. So <laughs> find me at sifter.com.au. But I tell you what, it's a good time to go to sifter.com.au because we've got a brand new website, um, which is very, very schmick. It's going to have cool stuff on there that you'll enjoy, um, including a whole bunch of podcasts, a whole bunch of news articles. Uh, we're just about to show off the Sifter Showcase, which is happening on the 2nd of October, um, featuring 15 different creative teams making stuff in interactive games. Um, and you can find out more about that by heading to sifter.com.au. Um, now, our, our social media handles have changed as well from the last time you've listened. Um, if you want to follow us or you're wondering, what's this icon that's appearing? I've already followed them. Um, it's SifterHQ on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, pretty much everywhere. Um, you can also join our Discord. We'd love to have you there. Uh, and you can do that by going to sifter.com.au forward slash discord so that's sifter.com.au forward slash discord um our interview podcast where we talk to creative uh, people in the video game industry we've had community managers we've had creative directors we've had um composers we've had all sorts of different people who are doing cool cool stuff is called light map uh, and we find out basically what that process is like. We illuminate it for you, we guide you through, um, give you a chance to learn a bit more, pull behind the curtain and see what's going on. That's called Lightmap. You can find it in your podcast player right now, right next to an episode of Mainstream, both of them for free. Yeah, and if you like what you heard in today's episode, why not tell a friend uh, that you think would like this podcast as well? You can support the show by giving us a review on your favorite podcast platform as well and rating us a variety of stars. Like, I'm not going to tell you uh, I'm going to tell you, you, it's five. It's five. Yeah. It's five. Um, we we want you to do five, but you know, if you want to do four, that's fine. Yeah, and the yeah best thing you can do is yeah share it with your friends. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. It honestly does make a huge difference. If you liked anything that we've done, um, let people know that uh, we have got it there for them to listen to, to watch, uh, to read on our website for free. That's it for mainstream. Until next time, have fun. 